Welcome to Personally Invested. I'm Dave Richardson. On this episode, I sit down with Brent David in London, England. He's a senior portfolio manager with Blue Bay's Emerging Market Debt Team, and we discuss the value of diverse perspectives within an investment team and the strength and evolution of emerging market debt as an asset class. I think you'll find Brett's personal story to be particularly interesting, and he's an interesting personality with an interesting perspective on global investing. Enjoy. Brent, welcome to Personally Invested. It's great to have you here uh, while, while we're in London and to, to have you as a guest on the podcast. Thank you, Dave. Good to be here. So uh, as, as, we've, uh, as we've been meeting all the, uh, uh, the, the, the great team here at Blue Bay through the week, uh, it's, it's just fascinating, uh, particularly when you're in London, which is you know, just a, a, a base uh, for, for financial services and, and an investment community, really a global community of, of investment professionals. You've got people coming from all over with all kinds of different backgrounds. How, how did you get into to this business and, and into the seat you're in here at Blue Bay? I think, I think particularly in emerging markets, you obviously then tend to find a lot of the people who work in the industry come from, from the markets themselves. So I'm originally from South Africa, as you may, uh, as you may get from the accent. <laughs> I, I, I just caught that. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes people say it's quite far from losing the accent, so it's maybe getting stronger and stronger as we go along. But uh, so I'm originally from South Africa, and I originally always worked on the sell side, so uh, at banks, uh, initially starting at Deutsche Bank. In the day, they had a pretty big operation in South Africa at the time. So as I graduated from university, went to Deutsche Bank and, uh, and started working on their fixed income uh, desk there. Um, so always focused on emerging markets, obviously starting with, uh, with South Africa, given it was Deutsche Bank and given the presence that they had around the globe. And then obviously as a base here in London, we had spent a lot of time uh, in London. So, so you, you know, in my first five to six years of my career, I was coming up and down between London and Johannesburg quite often. Um, you know, when there were people leaving from the London office, I'd come up here and stay for six months to a year, then go back to Johannesburg. So there was a lot of to and fro um, uh, in, in the beginning. I then moved to, uh, to Barclays, who had bought a big bank in South Africa at the time, and they were expanding their, their operation there. So I initially started um, based in, uh, in South Africa, uh, building out their, their operation. But uh, at one point, then they, uh, they needed someone to come up to London more sort of full time to run their Simia rates trading business. Uh, so that was then when I moved to London full time. Um, and so then started expanding out in other markets across emerging markets, but predominantly in this region. So we're talking about the central, central and Eastern Europe, the African markets, etc. So that's then when I moved to, to London full time. Uh, moved to Blue Bay then in 2014 when Blue Bay was looking to expand some of their product set in the local markets business. Obviously, my background obviously is is very specifically on the local market side, local fixed income and FX markets, but then also expanding into the local credit markets. So, uh, so it was a great opportunity. I mean, uh, you know, Blue Bay just obviously has a fantastic name in in emerging markets. So for me personally, it was a huge opportunity to then delve into the, the buy side at a firm that had such a great tradition and, and, and name in the emerging market space to then start expanding in some of the local market businesses. And, and the team you work on is incredible in, in, in that respect. Like people have come from all over the world. Maybe you can talk about uh, the diversity of, of the team you have. Abs absolutely. I mean, so I think if we look roughly, we have about 35 um, uh, employees on the desk in the emerging markets team uh, focusing on debt in emerging markets across hard currency, local currency, sovereigns and corporates. Um, you know, and I don't have the numbers offhand, but you know, we've got people from a range of, uh, from, from different, different markets. You know, we've, uh, 
myself from South Africa. We have a Zimbabwean on the team. You know, we've had people from Turkey. Polina, who runs the team, is from uh, from Russia, Armenian background. My background is actually Lebanese. Um, you know, we have people from Asia. We've had people from Latin America. So, so really, and then of course, I mean, we obviously do have some people from uh, from the UK. <laughs> yes. So, yes, yeah. so it, you know, it's um, it's always you know bringing together a nice mix of different cultures. And when, when, when you do that, I mean, you then tend to get very different perspectives. You know? yes. I mean, certainly given the, the sort of upbringings that people have had, they look at things from a very, very different perspective. Um, so, so that's great, right? It really does add something special and unique to the team. Um, you, you know, you obviously, it's great when you have a certain amount of conviction on XYZ investment view, but it's even better if you have people with an opposing view or different views bringing in a different perspective and different angle to challenge you on that view. And, and, and I think that's what's great about the team that we have. It's big enough in size that you have different perspectives and different views, people looking at things from a very different perspective, but also from a culturally different perspective. And, 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 and that's pretty, pretty special, I'd say, for us. So it, it's definitely something that we like to cultivate and like to hold on to. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I think, again, from meeting several members of the team and, and, and getting an understanding of the way you like to work together and that idea of uh, diverse backgrounds, diverse ideas, uh, and, and, and actually, actually challenging and interacting and testing each other's thoughts and, 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 and investment um, uh, ideas, it, it, it really strengthens the team, that diversity is of, of value. But naturally, there's a comfort because of the, the nature of the team uh, with uh, emerging markets. Because you, you were born in an emerging market, you grew up in an emerging market. From a Canadian perspective, and when I talk to Canadian investors, who are very comfortable investing in Canadian government bonds. Uh, they might buy uh, a bond of a Canadian bank or a large Canadian company or U.S. company, U.S. government debt. Maybe they stray into Europe, but I say emerging market debt, and they freak out. <laughs> this, is, this is the craziest, riskiest thing that I could ever touch, and, and it is such a misconception, is it not? I, I mean, absolutely. And but look, I think I think we need to we need to think about the starting point. And and so I'm certainly not surprised when you hear people being scared of emerging markets, um, it, because you know obviously through the years and through the decades, emerging markets has gone through particularly tumultuous times during those periods. But I think what's important, and and you know we we come up or, or investors come up with this, our end investors come up with uh, with these kind of questions all the time, as in you know, why should we be investing in emerging markets and what is the opportunity set? And, you know, we think it is quite a scary place. So it's not new that, that people are thinking about emerging markets like that. But I think the, the, the way we like to think about emerging markets is we like to think about the journey that emerging markets has come along. Now, you know, it's, it's, it's even just by lumping all of them together into one bucket called emerging markets is actually quite a stretch because, you know, the reality is Argentina is a very, very different place to Thailand, um, you know, with very different issues, some bigger than others. But, but, you know, on a sort of broad perspective, they're all lumped into this grouping called emerging markets. Um, and, and, and what we've obviously had over the years is that, you know, it's gone through a number of different types of crises, right? And if we're talking about the Brady bonds from the 80s or the tequila crisis in Mexico and then the Asian crisis, then Russia, and then we had a bit of a boom and then you have the taper tantrum. So, you know, we've gone through a number of different crises, but 
through all of those crises and what has come out is actually an asset class, which is stronger than it was previously. And I think that's the way we like to think about it when we think about the journey that emerging market has come along. If you think about 30 years ago, what you could invest in in emerging markets as an international investor, it was traditionally dollar-denominated sovereign bonds. Now you can invest in sovereigns and corporates in dollars and sovereigns and corporates in local currency. And more and more, you'll, you'll even start to see emerging markets growing into direct lending type of space or distressed debt type of space, dedicated funds in that space. So it's evolved very much in terms of the types of products available in the space to, to investors. And then when we go and look at actually, okay, so this asset class has evolved and developed and grown and so on and so forth. You then go and look and you say, okay, well, what is the actual fundamental problem with emerging markets? Why are people so scared about it? You think, okay, so default rates. Yes, historically, default rates were a lot higher. But actually, through the last couple of cycles, default rates have been particularly low in emerging markets and comparable to developed market type of default rates. So they, that, that's a really important point. Absolutely. Very comparable to developed market. Absolutely. So we think we are more secure in Canada. But that's not necessarily the case, when you, again, when you look at it in aggregate more not. recently. And, 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 and not even just more recently, but if you look over the last 10 to 15 years, you know, there was, and we've gone through the global financial crisis and taper tantrum through that period, actual default rates in emerging markets have very much been comparable to, uh, to developed markets. And, and then what you, the next step you then go and take, and, and obviously that's very important for fixed income investors, is the, <laughs> yeah, is the outlook yeah, for yeah, default yes. rates. But then you go and look, okay, once there are defaults, then what are the recovery rates? You know, and how much, how many cents on the dollar do you get back by having gone through the sort of default phase in emerging markets? And it's true that it is lower than, than US or other comparable uh, developed markets, but not as, so not that much lower than that you'd actually think. So you, you, you're actually very much coming up the, the scale in terms of your default rates are comparable, your recovery rates are lower, but that gap is converging. And so from that perspective, and where we've seen the biggest convergence has actually been in Latin America. So, so the part of the world closest to Canadian investors is that historically that was a lot lower. And then over the last, let's call it five years, those recovery rates have been getting better and better. And we continue to expect that to happen. You know, as, um, as the legal systems become better, I mean, obviously the majority of this debt is issued under international law, but as the sort of framework within emerging market helps the, the, the sort of default kind of environment, well, those recovery rates have started to improve. So then you start to look at this and you go, well, actually, well, what do you have here? You have an asset, a fixed income asset class that, that your, your, your default rates are comparable, your recovery rates are getting better and better, and actually your spreads are quite significantly wider. And more often than not, you'll actually find, if we look at the, the high yield space in emerging markets versus the US high yield space, it's actually higher rated than the US high yield space because, you know, through different idiosyncrasies, there's, it's, it's a little bit more diversified in an EM high yield, whereas U.S. high yield is quite sensitive to U.S. oil and gas and the commodity cycle. So, so actually, you've got an environment where you have a slightly higher rated asset class um, with higher spreads, and that then really starts to look quite attractive. Then the other side of that is obviously then you have the local markets. And where, where the local markets has run into its, its issues of late has been obviously the majority of the volatility then comes through the currency channel. Now, th th this is a, a catch-22 situation because if you think back to 97 and the Asian crisis, what actually happened there, the problem 
was that a lot of those currencies were pegged to the dollar. And as economies were trying to adjust to different environments, they didn't have that release valve where the currency would then ultimately weaken or strengthen depending on the economic environment. Exactly. And so then obviously the environments were getting more and more stressful, but their currencies didn't adjust. And so then you had a wave of defaults yeah. because the currency did not adjust. What we've now, you know, 20 years later, is the majority of currencies in emerging markets are free floating. And the majority of those currencies are then the release valve for when the economy needs to adjust. So that's an exceptionally good thing for a credit investor, particularly because that just means that you're going to get less and less defaults because your currency is going to do all the work and it's going to let your economy adjust. What that means for a currency investor, though, is that you're going to get a lot of volatility in the currencies. Now, that comes with opportunities, but it also comes with a lot, of, risk. a lot of risk and a lot of high beta component. So when we think about emerging markets, we think about it's getting fundamentally stronger as an asset class because it's maturing and developing. Currencies are free floating. They do all the adjustment and, and the default rates are, are low and comparable to DM. And then you get this sort of high beta components of the asset class being the currency components of the asset class, which will then go through some very specific cycles. And the cycles will be, well, when there's a strong growth environment in the world and across emerging markets, then currencies should perform particularly well. And what's quite exciting then for, for a fixed income investor investing in the currency components of the market is that actually, if you think about a, a traditional fixed income versus equity investor, equity is typically your growth channel. And that's where you get performance when things are growing. From a fixed income investor, you just want to ensure that default rates are low. But actually, when you invest in local currency EM, you actually have a growth channel there. When the world is growing, EM currencies are doing very, very well. Doing well. So when you're thinking about a broad mix of fixed income investments, this fits very nicely into a portfolio which you know, is not just about the credit channel, but it's actually also about a potential growth channel and you get all the upside when, when the world and in particular emerging markets are growing. Yeah, so, so there's not just one emerging market. It's a diverse basket of a lot Absolutely. of different countries that have different attributes. That diversification is a strength, which actually makes the, the asset class much more stable and, and less risky than a typical Canadian investor would think which creates opportunity. Absolutely. And then that opportunity uh, is, if, I, if I'm looking at a portfolio for an investor in North America, what is the, the, the real benefit of having that emerging market uh, exposure in addition to their other exposures? And, and, and how does that benefit them from a return and risk management perspective? So, so the, your immediate obvious um, one tends to be the pickup in yield that you'll get in, uh, in emerging markets. So um, if we think about the sort of four pillars of emerging markets, so hard currency sovereigns and corporates and then local currency sovereigns and corporates, you, you, know, you tend to be getting across all four of them north of 5%. Yeah. But, you know, some of them closer to 10% as a running yield. Um, so, so your carry for a developed market investor, you know, is obviously quite substantial. You know, if we think about the world that we're living in where so many trillions of debt is actually negative yielding. And, right? and very important just to just have for a, for a lot of Canadians and North Americans, well, Europeans as well, who are, we have aging populations uh, and people need that yield. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. So, so from a yield perspective, it looks attractive. Like I said, from a, um, a yield 
versus credit rating perspective and default rate expectations, it looks attractive relative to its developed market peers. And then quite often what you also then find in emerging markets, because it's still uh, more of a developing asset class broadly versus its developed market peers, is that you haven't necessarily seen as much duration being issued in the market as you have um, in, in, in developed markets. So a lot of the, um, the components of the asset class are shorter duration in nature than developed markets. Now, why is that important? Well, in this world where we're at historically low levels of, of interest rate broadly, and you know, whether you, you believe it or not, potentially we are moving into a world with higher interest rates broadly, then actually you've got a shorter duration asset class with higher yields, which actually, and with default rates, which should be quite low, actually starts to look uh, quite attractive. And then you get the currency angle, which gives you that higher beta nature to the asset class, where you get performance if the world starts really growing and picking up. So from a fixed income, broader fixed income portfolio perspective, it fits in quite nicely because you, you, you actually start to get some yield enhancement, some duration enhancement through shortening duration, and then additional beta if actually growth starts to pick up across the world. So I think it, it, it actually does quite fit in quite nicely. And then if you think about, well, 50% roughly of the world's growth is coming from emerging markets. Yet, you know, portfolios, when we look at typical pension fund portfolios across the globe, I mean, we're sitting at around broadly 5 to 6% invested in emerging markets. Well, that's pretty low. Right. So, so, so the real opportunity here is, 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 is for more and more investments to be coming into emerging markets, given that this is becoming the growth channel of the globe. Um, you know, so from that perspective, there's, the, 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 those are the sort of more longer term kind of views out there. But the reality is, is that as these markets get deeper and deeper, the opening up of emerging markets like China opening up, India opening up, that just creates opportunities and further opportunities for um, like you said, the aging population who need to invest, other channels for investments to be taking place. So, so they get higher risk, uh, a similar risk, high yield. or sorry, higher yield, yeah. uh, similar risk profile, uh, and, and, and all these opportunities for future growth. Why don't I put 100% of my portfolio, fixed income portfolio in emerging markets? Because it would be higher beta in nature. So it, it is going to be more volatile than your traditional okay. th than your traditional Canadian fixed income asset or, or even US fixed income asset, right? Now, I mean, US fixed income has actually been quite volatile of, uh, of late. And, and so it's not to say that these markets won't be volatile, but you are going to have um, periods through the cycles where there is going to be stress in emerging markets. And last year was a great example. So, so you know, even though we had come off the back of 2016 and 2017, where you had had very strong performance from emerging markets, as you, as you move into this environment, as we came into 2018, where everything was looking pretty rosy and quite robust and things were actually performing quite well in emerging markets, you had this period during the summer where trade became a very big concern, and that has a material impact then on global growth. Yeah. And then the Fed is tightening. So this combination of you know, negative growth and a tightening Fed became particularly worrying for a couple of emerging markets or a couple of big emerging markets in particular who are very dependent on external financing to finance their, uh, their, their funding gaps, Argentina and Turkey being, uh, be, be, being the front and center. Now, Back to your question as to why not invest oil in emerging markets, because like I said in the beginning, even though I said 
Argentina is a very different place to Thailand and they have very different issues. People still lump them all together and you still tend to have quite a big contagion risk when there's a lot of stress in maybe a select couple of emerging markets, Argentina and Turkey last year last being the year, case in yes. point, but a number of emerging markets came under a significant amount of pressure as investors who have been investing in emerging markets get worried about um, the, the, the sort of knock-on effect into other emerging markets, the sentiment, and so therefore try to sell all the emerging market risk, puts asset prices under pressure. So, so from that perspective, there's still that inherent underlying risk just given this inherent underlying skepticism sometimes about emerging markets and it's this risky asset. So we should sell everything when, you know, there's some unique specific problems going on in, uh, in, in, in the world and emerging markets. So it, it still has this underlying negative beta when things are going poorly across the globe. But that in itself creates opportunities because, you know, for instance, all of this was going on and Brazil sold off very aggressively. But then as people realized that actually Brazil had very, very different financing requirements and needs, and actually they were moving in a positive direction politically in terms of potential for reforms and so on, had a significant rally thereafter because, you know, the market came to, um, came to realize that Brazil had very, very different issues to, to Argentina at the time. Um, so, so from that perspective, it inherently does also create opportunities then for active investors like we are, who then look for those kind of opportunities when a broader asset class, the beta is under so much pressure, pressure you look for those opportunities to then find the value in those countries or, or, or corporates which have very different issues to yeah, maybe and, the pressure points. So Canadians, Canadians need to be in this space. They, they need to get over that fear of these markets for all the reasons you've articulated around more stability, the diversification, uh, the, the potential for higher yield in a broadly diversified portfolio, but with the right investment management. Because this is not a place for an amateur to be going around to search for the best opportunities. Absolutely, absolutely. Because, you know, the reality is, is that it, the broader beta is going to have a material impact. But like I said, you need people who, you know, if we think about what I said about Blue Bay, we have 35 specialists in our emerging market team. I mean, that's 35 people who on a day-to-day -day basis, we are looking at country-specific stuff, corporate-specific stuff, how the corporates interlink with the, with the countries, what the policy impact is, because more often than not, it's not just about the economics in emerging markets. It's about the politics too. Yes. If we think about, you know, uh, Turkey, uh, for instance. I mean, the politics is a massive driver of what's going on in Turkey at the moment. That impacts economics, it impacts decision-making, and it impacts then how we invest in Turkey or not. So from that perspective, having a team of 35 people who are day in, day out, are living and breathing emerging markets and traveling to these countries, seeing the CEO of these corporates, and, and trying to understand exactly what they're doing to try and ensure that their businesses are best placed in a changing environment in, in, in the sort of macro backdrop of that country is, is quite critical. Um, you know, and you're right, it's not for amateurs. You have, to, you have to be living and breathing it day in and day out. And so that's why I do think it's important to be hiring specialists in this space because, you know, it's, it's those guys who need to 
get into the sort of nitty gritty of the of the details to really try and understand. But with that expertise, you you, you just have to have that in your portfolio. And, and look, if you're going to look for uh, for unstable or or at the very least very interesting politics as Canadians, we just have to look south of the border and and see. Uh, it, 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 it's not just emerging markets that have interesting Ex- political situations. Exa- at different exactly, points it's, in it's time. a bit of a running joke for us now uh, on the emerging market team, where, where we feel that there's actually more policy and politic risk in developed markets and there is an emerging markets these days and you know front and center is the biggest of them all so you know from that perspective yes we're seeing that that politics is playing a material impact across the globe and we just need to look at brexit and trump and the negotiations going on and you know it's uh, it's not just us that faces political difficulties at any given time it's uh, it's happening across the globe um I would probably just categorize it that we've been in emerging markets, we've been facing this for a lot longer. It's always been for us in emerging markets. Politics has been a critical part of the investment decision yes. for a very long time. Well, just, just, a, just a fascinating area of the world and an and, and asset class and a fascinating discussion. Brent, thank you Excellent. Uh, so much for your time. Thank today. you. It was really good to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for listening to Personally Invested. If you have suggestions for future podcasts, please email us at rbcgampodcasts at rbc.com.